Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. It is, uh, again, great, as always, to be with y'all. Uh, man, I just can't get over how amazing God is to give us this morning this, that, like this. I mean, it's just incredible to me. Um, you know, and it, it shouldn't be that overwhelming to know that God, He can um, do things different than we anticipate Him doing. Um give you a couple little quick announcements for one if you're viewing online with us know that you are always welcome to come join us uh, we are uh, outdoors right now uh, trying to take and be a little precautious about certain things and um, but also I think enjoying just the just the beauty of being out here um, is something different for us and sometimes difference not bad so um, so like I say excited about being with you um, and then for our folks that are here, um, don't forget that there are restrooms available. They can, if you just go that direction, they'll direct you. Uh, and there's also childcare if you happen to need it. Um, and that does not go for wives with adult husbands that need their husbands taken care of. We, we have an age limit, I <laughs> know. Man, this morning I have a, something that I want to communicate with you that it's a little more of a Wednesday night feel for me of what I would normally do um, in the sense that there's a lot of scripture involved. And I want to try to drive home one central thought. And I'm going to do that with two, two points this morning. And so I want us to just take, and I'm going to open us in prayer. And what I'm asking God to do is to take a large story, a story that took about three years to get all in context. It has taken a couple thousand years to get it to us uh, for this day. But I believe is something that God will truly sp speak to us with. And so this morning as we get ready to think about the power in God's patience, I want you to pray with me. Father, Today, I am just asking, God, that you would allow the things that you have birthed within my heart to, to come out, the things, God, that you have been encouraging me with over the, this last week, challenging me with. May you be a challenge to myself once again and an encouragement to me, but also to everybody that's listening, whether in person, whether online, 
and who knows, God, maybe in, if you so tarry uh, and in coming that, that in years to come may hear these words somehow, some way, and be an encouragement. Would you take your words from your scripture, open them to us today for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. I believe that God has tremendous power. And we all would uh, uh, attest to that, that God has, he's a great God, he's a mighty God. I want to take and look in Luke chapter 5, that's where we're going to start, because that is where it starts, not for God, not for his plan for some people's lives that he would lead for nearly three years, but this is where it starts for one person in particular the Apostle Peter. This is where the interaction between him and Jesus Christ kind of begins. And I think that his power definitely starts the process. I don't know where you were in your life, whether it's recently, whether it's been years ago, or where it was that God started your discipleship process. Where did he save you at? And what part of the time frame did he start you? you know, was it in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s? Some of you hadn't even been born by then. And then 90s and we come on. Was it a month ago? Maybe, just maybe, he's not even started that process in your life that you know about. And today would be a day that you would start that process with him. But I want you to listen as I read verses 1 through 11 in Luke chapter 5. Jesus is now starting his earthly ministry. And in verse 1 it says, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, And their net was breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And Simon Peter saw it and he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James And John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for from now on you you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now I want you to think just a moment, and I want to just show you just a few places. I mean, there are many places within this text, but I just want you to think of a few things that God did with miraculous power that only he has 
to start this process in the life of Peter. As a matter of fact, I want to take you back to chapter 4 for just a verse or two. And don't, don't miss God's authority, His power, the, the authority that He has over everything, but in particular, what was happening when He showed His power and authority over darkness, over sickness, and over so many other things. Watch what happens in chapter 4, verse 35 through 37. He says, But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, he came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And then it follows after that that once they seen his authority and his power, that they brought to him many sick and he healed them. As a matter of fact, he goes on into the night healing people. When you take all of the Gospels and pull them all together, he goes on into the night healing people. And when daybreak arises, he tries to find a place to get away from the crowds. And that's where we'll find him with the disciples at the Sea of Galilee. But don't miss the fact that these things actually set up this opportunity that for the day that Peter and the rest of the disciples will meet him. Words going out about him all over the place because he has overcome things that people cannot naturally overcome on their own. I'm not trying to like make big that big of the weather because I'm not going to sit here and just say, well, God did this just for us, but God did give us this day. But I couldn't do anything about the weather. I had to come to that conclusion yesterday myself. Is it, you know what? Whatever weather bug says uh, on, my, on my phone, whatever, whatever my WBTV app says, you know, no matter who the weatherman is, no matter whether it's the weather channel themselves, I can't change it. Now, I know, like I say, I'm not sitting here telling you that I prayed and God did this for us. I did pray, just simply saying, you know what, God, you know what tomorrow is, and I'll find out when I wake up, and whatever happens, you're going to be in control of it, and we'll just, we will take what you give us. And that's where I was at. But I'm, I was at that place because I could do nothing to change it. Unlike Bill Gates, I heard one time that he was going to be able to change the weather by sending some things into the atmosphere. Good luck on that, brother. See how that works out for you. We can't even change things that happen within our own lives, much less change things in this natural world. So his power was seen in, in his lording over darkness, over sickness, over the evil in, in the demonic realm. But then look, look again with me at chapter 5 and see his power just over this natural world, over the wildlife itself. Jesus is walking, and we'll get there in just a moment, but Jesus is walking by the seashore. They're washing their nets. It's a family-run business. 
And I want you to understand this too, that they didn't have just an average business because fishing was not an uncommon thing for Galileans to do on their side of, of the sea of Galilee. It was not uncommon for them, but it was, it was not a very common thing for somebody to have boats to go out in. Sometimes they would wade out and fish from the shore as best they could. But if you were further on into this and you had the, the wherewithal because of the business that you were uh, in and you were doing good at it, you might have some boats or a boat. But Zebedee and Peter and John and Zebedee's boys, they, they had a pretty lucrative business. So much so that one of the Gospels tells us that when they left, they left Zebedee with the servants that they had hired. In other words, they had people on the payroll. So they had a pretty lucrative business. They must have been good at this stuff. And he finds them there and they're washing their nets because they have been toiled all night long and they've worked and now they're mending their nets. And then Jesus begins to teach. As a matter of fact, he gets in one of the boats and asked Peter to launch out a little ways from the shore. Verse 3, Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitude from the shore because there were so many pressing in against him and he was able to get away just a little bit. That's one reason I like uh, lake life so much is because uh, you got to swim to me if you're going to get to me. It's not that I have crowds pressing in on me like Jesus by no means, but I just feel at peace about the fact that, you know what, I can, I, I can get away, and it's my prerogative as far as how far I go out. And, uh, so, but Jesus is sitting there in the boat, and he's teaching the multitudes. Verse 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Not the normal time that they would be fishing for multiple reasons, one of which just simply because it was hot during the day. They would fish at night because it would be cooler from what I've understood from tradition. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word I will let down the net. I don't want you to miss the nevertheless in the transition between what we talked about just a moment ago about his power over all the darkness and over the sickness because word had spread about him and I believe because word had spread about him and because of the teaching with which he had done because every time Jesus taught there were people in the crowds that thought man this is amazing this guy teaches with such authority even when he would go into the synagogues there was something different about him and so Peter is following along with his leadership obviously because there is something different about him and because word has spread about it being different with him. And he says, Nevertheless, even though we've toiled all night and caught nothing, nevertheless at your word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat and come and help them. And they came and filled the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon, Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him 
were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. Did you catch that? Simon and all the people that were with him, those fishermen, those that had been working for Zebedee and for Peter and for John, they were astonished. It's almost as if they had never seen a catch of fish like this, especially in the amount of time because it doesn't seem like it was a long time frame. They would leave their nets out all night long and you've seen the whole deals where they would, the, the, the fish would get caught in the nets and you pull them in. They were astonished. It wasn't like that they had toiled all night, caught nothing and Jesus told them to cast the nets out and there was this average catch. There was something extraordinary about this catch that you took seasoned fishermen that did this for a living and did it well enough that they had their own boats and had their own uh, people working for them on the payroll and, and it blew their mind just how many fish they had caught in the amount of time that they caught them. He's got power. He sets up this appointment with these people because they saw the power of God working and they could not refute Him. There's something different about Him. And you would think that somebody like this with such power would not be patient with people. You would think that somebody that is so overwhelming in, 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 the, in the control that He has over all that there is that if you didn't listen to him, that he would be some cruel, overbearing person. That he would just not have patience with you. I want to take you to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, we find almost the identical scene. Except the only difference is this is nearly three years later. The Apostle Peter has, not, not just the Apostle Peter, but others have walked with the Lord for a good time now. They have seen him do things that made catching the fish in the net look like child's play. I mean, Jesus has walked by caskets and people have got up. He has seen... They have seen him raise people from the dead. They have seen him heal lepers. They have seen him cause paralytics to get up off of their beds and walk. He has taught them personally about all the things that they needed to know in order to go out and to do ministry when he was getting ready to leave. I mean, come on. Just before John 21, they saw Jesus Christ raised from the dead himself. I believe his power not only starts the process, I think his power, the power of the patience of Almighty God oversees the process. Look with me, if you will, in John chapter 21, starting with verse 1. It says, After these things Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way he showed himself. And I love how he does this. He sets it up. He says, And this is the picture. 
of how Jesus showed himself again to his disciples. He's just shown his, himself to them just prior in some verses out of chapter 20. This is the scene where Thomas says, Lord, unless I put my finger into the nail prints, unless I put my hand into the side, I will not believe. Jesus is not there when Thomas shows up. He's already left, but yet he knows what Thomas has said. He comes back again at a later time, enters into a room where the door is shut, and he says, Thomas, and he specifically came for Thomas. Thomas, come here. See my hands. See my side. He says, don't be unbelieving, but be believing. He said, but Thomas, blessed are you, but even more blessed are those who don't see and believe. And after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. And so he paints another picture of how he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and the two others of his disciples were together. Many of the same ones that were there at that same time. Zebedee's sons, John is there. John's there in the first one. It just doesn't speak of him. But here he is. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Don't miss, this is not retelling the same story that I told at the beginning. This is a whole nother instance. Peter has led the other disciples, and don't miss this. You lead more people than you realize. Whenever you make decisions, there are people that are watching you. Especially as children of the living God, there are those people that are watching us. And sometimes they'll follow us. Make sure that they're following you in a correct, on the right path. But nevertheless, you've got Peter here. Jesus stood by the shore, yet disciples, once again, verse 4, did not know him. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast a net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. So they cast a net. They were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, and this is John, said to Peter, It's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter had heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it when he was fishing, and plunged into the sea. It's not the first time Peter had come out of the boat to go see Jesus. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits dragging the net with the fish. And I told on Wednesday night, I almost have the picture in my mind that you can hear the boat sliding up onto the bank as Peter is standing up out of the water. Peter's always been one that was zealous. Peter's always been one that would jump at any notion 
that he had that he needed to do something. He's the one that cut the ear off of the guard when Jesus was being arrested in the garden. Peter is one that will, at a snap judgment, be the one to say, Lord, I would never forsake you. I'll go to the death for you. Peter throws his outer garments on, dives out of the boat, and the rest of them come, and the Bible makes sure to tell us the boat really wasn't that far from the land anyhow. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, verse 8, but about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. They also, I mean, they, then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. I just want to take you along and show you a couple of little things. He says uh, they saw a fire of coals there. Anybody that's got any kind of knowledge whatsoever, it takes a little while to get coals built up. So it's not like Jesus just started a fire, unless Jesus did just start a fire, and he can start it as if it's in the middle of its process and not at the beginning of its process. A lot of people ask me sometimes, you know, we have questions about, well, how old was Adam when he was made by God, and how old was this, and whatever is that. I believe that there, if God wanted to, he could create this world with an apparent age. We say it takes millions of years for oil to form and for diamonds to form and all this stuff. That depends on what age God made the earth when he made it. Adam, God could have made Adam five years old. He could have made him 50 years old when he made him. God could have made chickens and eggs. Can I get a witness? <laughs> and I don't, know if God, I don't know if Christ was there, but I just let me just say this. If I was Jesus and I had the power that Jesus had, I don't think I would be kindling a fire up waiting on coals to go. I would just snap my fingers and say, there's a fire with coals, it's time to cook, baby, let's go. Because I don't know about y'all, isn't that do you, bar barbecuing? What we all sitting there waiting on, Lord have mercy, would these coals get red so we can eat, right? They come up out of the water, and there Jesus is standing by the seashore with a bed of coals, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus must not have been gluten-free. I don't know. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Now I want you to take and put yourself into full context here. And to do that, we need to grab another verse of Scripture for just a moment. We need to go... Actually, to Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, verses 5, I mean 54 through 62. Because you got to get everything that's going here with the life of Peter. Luke 22, verse 54 through 62. I want you to listen to these verses. Having arrested him, talking about arresting Jesus, they led him and brought him into, uh, into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. This is the same Peter that reached up there and cut the guard's ear off just prior to this. Now when they had 
kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looking intently at him and said, this man was also with him. Now don't, just for time's sake, I want you to understand, Peter has told the Lord, he said, Lord, I will go to the death for you. And the Lord looks at Peter and says, Peter, before the cock crows, you will deny me. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Verse 56, And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him, but he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter said, Man, I, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. The Lord has come along in Peter's life. And some three years before this, He rocked Peter's world. He defied everything that Peter had known in his life and had trusted in his life. He had been making a living off of catching fish. His, everything that he knew, all of his integrity, all of his trust, everything was in making a living catching fish. In this business with Zebedee, and this man comes along who has been casting out demons. He has been uh, healing sick people. He comes along and he outfishes the professional fishermen. I mean, if they, I believe if they were in this day and time, they would have sponsors all around their boats. You know what I'm saying? These are professionals. We'd be watching them on Wicked Tuna, except it would be Wicked Sardines in the Sea of Galilee. We'll read it in just a moment, but it wouldn't that he had an average catch this second time. As a matter of fact, it says that the large fish, God makes sure to put those words in there that this was not just average. But he turned Peter's world upside down. So much so that they dropped everything that they had and walked away from it to go follow him. And he tells them, I will make you fishers of men. In some texts, he said, I will make you catch men now. In other words, he says, I have something different that I want you to be about. And then we come back to chapter 21. I'm going to catch back up at verse 10, chapter 21. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Can you imagine? 
Peter's probably feeling in his heart just like many of us would feel. I don't know, Lord, that I could take the claim for catching those fish because we'd done fished all night. I remember being tied up at the towers at Lake Murray one time with my brother. The fish were so nailed into a depth that you had to be within six inches on the depth on the line to catch them. And there's people all around and we're in the one spot killing them. And everybody's watching us because they, as soon as we limit out, they're coming in. As soon as we untie from the towers and our, our spot, they're coming in. I'll never forget that these, these guys pull up in a like a, in, in, in their family bow rider boat. They're coming up there to fish. Nice cruising boat. They got them a five-gallon bucket in there with an aerator and a few bait in, baits in, in that bucket. Herring. They ain't got rod holders or nothing. And they come pulling up, and we waved them down. It's like, hey, whoo! They were coming. They were making their way in. Everybody's sitting there watching us the whole time waiting to get in. And I, I looked at my brother. I said, these dudes ain't got a chance. I said, but they fixing to have one. And we waved them in and pulled them over there and brought them right up beside our boat and tied them up in our spot. Showed them how to count it out to get right where they needed to be. And when they started catching fish, we pulled away. I don't even think that comes close to feeling how Peter felt that day. Hey, y'all, why don't y'all bring some of the fish that y'all caught? Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of the large fish, 153. Do you see that? The large fish. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come, eat breakfast. Yet none of his disciples dared ask him, Who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, likewise the fish. And now... This now is the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when he had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Who do you think he's talking about? Or what do you think he's talking about? Simon, do you love me more than these? I wonder if there's a chance that it was the other disciples around there. My heart and the context of the scripture says no, that's not what he's talking about. You got to put yourself in this picture. They're all sitting there eating breakfast some nice grilled fish, some bread. Jesus is serving the meal. They're tired, they're wore out, and they're all sitting there. But don't forget, they're right there by the seashore. Boats are banked up there, at, tied up on the beach. But there's also a large net. And in that net, the Bible says that there are 153 large fish laying there. Another overwhelming catch, even for the best of the fishermen. 
And Jesus says, Simon, do you love me more than these? You see, Simon had professed, Simon Peter had professed to love the Lord so much so that he would give his life for him. He had even took his knife out and cut off the ear of the guard because he was protecting the Lord and standing in there for, with him and for him. And when things get turned upside down and you can't understand it, it's amazing how we'll gravitate back toward the things that we find the most comfort in. Maybe another way to say it is, even in three years of walking with Jesus himself, seeing him do all those things, it seemed that Simon had not fully trusted the Lord in every area of his life. A place I find comfort in in the patience of the Lord is the fact that no matter whether Simon had full confidence in the Lord, the Lord had no problem in investing in Simon, Peter. Can you imagine what it would be like for you or me to have somebody be right by our side for three years and then they deny us and turn their back on us? At your lowest moment, what we see as lowest moment was actually God's greatest moment, but at the cross, there he is, that's him, he's one of them. No, 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 uh-uh. And you got to understand, this is not some major time span. This is a short period of time that all that happened in. As a matter of fact, three years ain't very long if you kind of think about the fact that we've been in COVID world for about a month, a year and a half, right? Three years is going to be gone by before we even know it. Three years, no cell phones, no social media blogs that, hey, I love Jesus and we post about Jesus. No, 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 he's walking with him. He can reach out and touch Jesus Christ himself. He sees with his own eyes, not what somebody puts on some doctored up video. He sees with his own eyes him raise people from the dead. Lame people get up and walk. Men that are blind from birth. The testimony is all in the community that they've seen nothing. So much so that the chief priests and the Pharisees question and interrogate the blind man going, how did you get your sight? And they ridiculed him with it so much so and they said, why are you asking? You wanting to follow him too? They called in his mama and daddy to testify about him. Actual headline news of God moving that much. And Peter left. Picked the nets back up, got back in the boat, and went out and went back to what he trusted more than what he was trusting at that moment. And Jesus asked him that question. He says, Simon, do you love me more than these? I can't even begin to imagine what Simon Peter felt. Can you? I wonder if God's ever asked you that question. Do you love me 
more than you love. And you got to understand, we're, we're talking about love in the sense that you, you do know the, the words that Jesus has said, right, throughout Scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Lean not on your own understanding, but delight yourself in the Lord. And in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. But how many of us have found that it's easier to go back to that old man of anger that we know to get through a situation rather than leaning on God and letting Him take care of the situation. Somebody's going to take advantage of you. Somebody's going to over, you know, you're going to find some way that you can, maybe even in the work environment, you know, it's like you know how to work the system and all, and I'll fix this and I'll stack the deck in my favor. I can do this thing or do that thing and make this stuff happen. All the while neglecting the very things that God wants us to do. Because he had told Peter, he said, from now on, he said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to make you catch men. I love how it says that, though. He didn't say, from now on, you are a fisher of men. He said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Here's what I want to leave you with this morning. I want you, I want you to know that no matter how many times, if you're one of God's children, no matter how many times you may have gone back and grabbed a hold of the net in your life, gone back and grabbed a hold of what you have trusted in so much, I want you to understand that God's power, His patience, is at work in the process. And you're in a process right now. The Apostle Paul said, I, I, not that I have already attained, but that I press on toward the mark. You or I are in the pressing on part. We're not in the perfected part. And isn't it great that our God has such power in His patience that He is not going to lose who He is and His abilities just because you and I stumble every once in a while. There are a lot of people that have been shaken up a whole lot over the last year and a half. But truth be told, our whole lives have been, if you think about it, in Christ, if you're a Christian today, your life in Christ has been one moment like this after another moment like this. Unless, maybe you're not where I'm at. I find myself often with my hands in the nets trying to fish all night long and the Lord coming and saying, why don't you throw it on the other side of the boat? And it ain't about catching those fish. It's about Him showing you that He's in control and that He cares about you. And that He, all He wants you to do is to follow Him and to trust Him. That's all He wants. Let Him worry about the catch. Let Him worry about the provisions You know, Simon Peter, I know good and well at times he's like, well, if they killed him on the cross, and he, there he is, 
But is he the same? And you got all these questions going through your mind. My prayer this week will be that God shows you who he is. That God shows you he's capable. One more time. Invites you to the to the to the table to sit down and he'll feed you from his table and challenge you with that question just as he challenged Peter. Do you love me more than these? Because his power is patient enough to work with you and to work with me. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that because I can be a knucklehead sometimes. He's good, isn't he? He's good to work with us. He's amazing. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us, and so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.